You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. The business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. This is the business of cannabis. The business of cannabis is sponsored this week by Chima. North America's leading provider of cash management hardware and software. Shima has the perfect mix of cash recyclers and smart safes for the cannabis dispensary. Track, manage, and secure your cash. Reconcile with your POS. Automate the entire cash process for your bud tenders and managers. Get the best cash management platform there is. Check out Shima's website at chima-america.com. That's Chima spelled C-I-M-A. Wherever you count, it's Chima. Well, welcome back to the business of cannabis. I would uh, like to extend a welcome back as well to Krista Jones uh, to the to the show. She is a show favorite, not only because she heads up the High Country Girls, which she does. It's also a cool name, which references the fact that she started the company in Denver, since moved to Miami. Uh, but mostly because uh, Krista's done it all in cannabis, from the grow side, dispensaries, for the marketing consultant events. Uh, THC girls actually provide a range of consulting services, including a brand, a brand ambassadors and reps at any event that a cannabis event you want. Uh, but as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we want to get some answers or at least to talk about some hard questions. Um, and I have a feeling Krista doesn't know, uh, then the answer doesn't exist, at least regarding cannabis. And if she, if she <laughs> has answers to other mysteries of life, maybe I can pry that from her, but I'm going to pry some answers, uh, cannabis, uh, Krista, welcome, welcome back. David, thank you so, so much for having me. It's always a pleasure being here. Well, let me, let me start off with, I think, an easy one. Um, the consumer, the customer at the dispensary level, for sure, is inundated by choice. So in broad strokes, from what you've seen, what are the major product categories that have sort of solidified um, that the consumer is, on, in, in, in sort of the broadest sense, is looking at now? in the market? Really, you know, um, we continue to see uh, several trends across the the nation, and it really depends on where the market is at the maturity. So as, you know, as we come online, flower, you know, legacy with flower and and the, you can never take that away. You know, people are diehard flower fans and they, flower definitely consumes the market. Um, Concentrates. Flower is still king. Yeah, so almost flower. everywhere, whether it's a new market uh, or Colorado where, or something where it's been around a long time, we can expect yeah. flower to be dominating. Okay, definitely. It's always definitely dominating. But as you see the more innovative uh, machinery and equipment and, and as we get more competitive within the market, you really start to see the concentrates and the edibles and the other products coming up. So but flower has definitely swept. Uh, the lead in every market I've seen. Or remains in the lead, I guess, would be. Yes, continue. Um, So let's, as I said on the top of the show, what I want to get into is 
what is true, what is real when it comes to cannabis, the consumer, and what is marketing, what is brand, and whether it's hype or whether it's just an authentic expression of brand. In those categories, let's start with flower. When you differentiate between all the different choices out there, what do you think is real? When a client, <laughs> like truly, like, you know, what, some wines taste different than others. They truly do. White wine does not taste like red wine. Those are <laughs> yes. two different things. But you could probably fool me pretty easily with two, I don't know, 10, $15 bottles of wine side by side. Maybe I could tell the difference, but, but could I tell the difference between a $250 bottle of wine and a $10 bottle of wine? Probably could. So let's start with flour. What, what, what do you, and, and not like your personal opinion, but what do you believe the consumer, the average consumer can experience? So I, and, and I think, uh, you know, with that being said, I think alcohol is very relatable to the market of cannabis. You know, we have uh, Tito style brands and we have Grey Goose style brands and the consumers, they definitely draw to a certain type of brand that fits their lifestyle um, and also is relatable to their image, uh, you know, such as the more urban style brands that people will pay a little bit more money for um, just to say that they're consuming those products. So I think within, when it comes to flour, a lot goes into the product that on the background that the consumers just don't understand. Um, a lot of consumers want a cheap, cheap product that is the best uh, quality. And that's just, you know, it's crazy to, to hit that goal. It's, it's very hard to, to maneuver through the markets. And also as, as we come across any cultivation um, struggles within the cultivation side, it, it makes it harder to accommodate that on the retail side. So when it right. comes to the consumers, um, being able to, to trust and know the brand is very important. Sometimes having all those bells and whistles within packaging, it really increases the price. It's not necessarily the quality of the product. And so you can definitely tell if you're an experienced consumer, but without, you know, without um, having that experience, it's very hard to differentiate and, unless you have that experience because there's a lot of uh, shiny objects being thrown around the market. Currently. Sure. Let me, uh, let me, let me, this is now the harder question. Let's get more dive into <laughs> I still want to flip, stick with flour for, for a while. And, uh -huh. and it's good that you mentioned that it's sort of the market leader. So we should, you know, I go, I go to the Cresco lab website <clears throat> and they talk about uh, sativa and indica and the various properties that each has the very standard um, sort of, um, stereotype of, uh, of what sativa, you know, offers, you know, is supposed to be sort of energizing with more a sweeter aroma and indica, I guess, is supposed to be more sedative and earthy and, you know, chill kind of thing. Yeah. Yet I can very easily find any number of scientific studies from very reputable universities, Forbes, mag uh, you know, Forbes magazine, uh, Dalhousie university study, um, a University of British Columbia study that says there's really no difference that indica and sativa is a meaningless differentiator. <laughs> how, how do you how do you put that into context when it, it, is one person right and one person wrong? Is it hype? Is it brand? Is it okay because it's just a way to categorize something? 
it's I think I find it almost dizzying when I visit <laughs> a dispensary. I don't know what to do. Right. And I, I haven't even asked you about the, the THC level thing, but we'll get to oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think everything comes in a factor. You know, I think as a, from a cultivation aspect, I think looking at sativas, hybrids, and because it's more so on how it's grown and, and what I'm going to do to maneuver my canopy. Um, but really, when it comes to the retail and the, the consumer, it's really more so of the entourage effect and the terpene profile, what really is relatable to that person's needs and how their endocannabinoid systems really match that profile of, of what they're consuming. So it's really hard to tell without doing some kind of trial and error uh, what really hits you certain ways. Um, and, every, and with that being said, everyone, you know, consumes and, and sees a different outcome as well. So what works for you might not work for me. And, and we have different personalities and, and body builds and right. types. Right. So right. there's a lot that comes into that. Um, there's also a lot of hype, you know, a lot of people want to have that couch locked, uh, like I'm stuck in the couch in the right. <laughs> Where they're not, they just want to feel that way is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter as long as it works for you. Mm -hmm. True. Do, do you feel, true. are you seeing, so is that what you see in the market? And when you talk to people that, that brands are aware of the fact that they're not really selling what they say they're selling, not that that's wrong, but they just know that sativa or, or whatever is not putting you on the couch. You're putting yourself <laughs> on the couch. It depends on, they could call it indica or sativa or a hybrid. It's, it's what you relate to. So yes. how do you put that into context from a marketing perspective? So I think, I think that a lot of people are doing it very differently across the board. Some people are Okay. rebranding these genetics and strains and um really it's kind of confusing when you go to consume uh and you go to a dispensary and you go to shop and you know they have jolly rancher names instead of um the strain names so it's i think that right now it's a innovative situation where people are trying to figure it out and trying to figure out how to relate that message and market it at the same time in a unique way and also to differentiate themselves. Um, but sometimes almost it's almost like taking it too far where we're losing the legacy behind what that actually is. So, yeah, no, it's interesting you say that because what came to my mind is on some way it's more honest, which is this is Jolly Rancher. This is the experience. And that like, you know, you're buying Coca-Cola. That's the experience. Right. You know, why relate to some. uh genetic reference that doesn't actually mean anything to me mm -hmm. because on a scientific level it probably doesn't and then right. you add the entourage effect which is of course a bit of a mystery but the research is suggesting you know thc thc on its own is not has been shown not to be particularly good drug so there's something going on it's the it's the whole plant you need right uh uh talk so let's transition to What's this obsession with THC levels then? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know. That's why I wanted to do this show with you because I want to, these are the questions that I've been dying to ask. So I'm asking no, you and I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> bring, them, bring them on. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so the THC levels, there's a lot that goes in with that. Everything's very situational. I always say that and it always starts with what do you desire? What, what's the outcome and what are you trying to do? Um, 
with anything, I guess, right? Well, um, it's, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> are you trying to get couch fuck? Are you trying to be able to, you know, be cohesive all day? Are you trying to, are you in pain? You know, is this for rec? Um, so really, when a consumer steps into uh, to use, um, that's really something that they have to really think about and digest. But somebody that's really going after those THC levels, I feel is going after that indica, that hype, that that couch lock mode. That's like, I want the strongest, you know, I want that 99 bananas at the at the bar, right? right. Instead of seeing, you know, what is really provided in that. It's interesting. So it's it's almost like the placebo effect. Still right. plays a pretty big role here. The brand really effect. Um, and does the market, do the producers care? Or do you think it works to their advantage? They like that attitude. They don't really, want people to be more educated or, 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 or more discerning. What is, I think what's your that view on just, that? That depends on the, the branding of the actual retail or the, the location. Because some people are going more medical where, you know, one-to-one, two-to-one, that right. calm, the entourage effect and how that really plays in, they, they really care to, to market that. A lot of other people where, you know, maybe they're just a cultivator, they don't really have a storefront retail and all they want to do is get rid of that product. And unfortunately, you know, we have a lot of re- regulations and, and taxes and all these things that when we have those high um, percentages, we can get more bang for our buck when we do distribution. So it's really a catch 22 because we really mm. want to have good product, but at the same time, how the market sets us up, it structures us to really have to hit those goals. And it comes into another play of now you, you get into the lab testing and the facilities and how can you throw all these crazy concentrates to make it test a hundred percent. Right. You know, just yeah. And, and then you get people who tell us the tests are very, are wildly inaccurate are any, are, are basically yes. a guess, an estimate. And yeah, at 19%, you're throwing it out. And at 21%, you're making a fortune. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a funny business. Let's jump to other products. Like, okay, uh, the concentrates, the, the edibles, the drinks. On, in terms of differentiating product and what's real, what do you see on, on, in, in those product categories as opposed to the flower experience? I see a, a lot of newer consumers um, willing to do edibles. It's more like medicine. It's more, uh, you don't feel like you're you're smoking weed, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> so you're doing drugs, you know? So people yeah. are, are uh, you know, newer consumers are prone to try and, you know, uh, root beer float or something that's low uh, dosage. And it just is something to, you know, it's like going and getting a cocktail. So I see a lot of newer consumers trying products like that. For somebody that's a consistent consumer and and that ha- is a has been a long time consumer, I think that the flower is just always always, you know, nothing will ever beat over that that flower right. product. Um, right. But but then you jump into the concentrates and and there is dab heads, there is diehard dab fans, you know, and the diamonds and the the butter and all these different kind of <laughs> ways sure. to, to produce. So I think there's a definitely a call for all of them to be in the market. Um, but I, I definitely think that overall we, we need that flower to produce those anyway. And 
it's going to it's going to maintain that lead for sure. We are talking to Krista Jones, who uh, heads up the High Country Girls, and we're asking hard questions about cannabis and product differentiation and brand and hype and and what 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 is the consumer really buying? What do they think they're buying, and what are they really getting? So let me keep poking that. Um, what you mentioned, better product quality. What does that mean to someone like you? who really understands and is experienced with cannabis and what does it mean to probably a, 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 a new, a new uh, user, a new consumer? Uh, I definitely think um, for me, what a better product is, is, you know, clean. It's uh, definitely affordable, but not cheap. What you does know, clean mean to you? What does that mean, clean? Clean in a product in a way of not having pesticides, mold, oh, okay. um, you know, not having bad microbial testing, stuff like that. Uh, so having a clean product. So a company you can trust. So there's there's yes. there's just a trust <laughs> to the producer that has nothing to do with the product per se in the sense of the experience. It's I want to trust them. Yeah, it, well, it actually does affect you. You know, when you, you consume bad products and you're consuming mold, it's not good for you. You're consuming pesticides, and especially in these newer markets where it's not as regulated. That those things could slip through. So, would you know though? Would you actually taste it? Would you actually feel it? Would you actually know? Oh it? yeah. If okay. if you're experienced, yes. If you're not okay. experienced, you might think it just looks uh. That's just uh, the, way it, the way it is. A little right. extra good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but but if you're experienced, you know you. See kind of white, um, you know, like fuzzy powder mildew stuff like that. Right. Um, black mold, uh, bugs, okay. you know, seeds. Okay, so better means clean. It means a, there's a purity. Uh, you know, the truth is there's Correct. a truthfulness to it. Like I'm putting out, like just like food. When I put out a, a food, I, I trust that where I'm buying it or the restaurant serving it, it's not there. It's not poisoned in there. Correct. So I yes. guess that. Keep going. What What is better cannabis? I hear this all the time. We're focusing on our stuff is the best. Everyone has the best. Do right. they? How? <laughs> so, and, and that also takes us the next, next step to being organic, right? And having methods of being regenerative, not using salts, not ruining the world. So it really, there's a lot more that goes into cannabis and production than just, you know, somebody smoking weed. And again, though, that all goes into values and I want to, my company, I'd like to feel good about who I'm buying from. I get that, but I'm still focusing on what does better cannabis mean? Not from a value perspective, but from product perspective. So when you test those or where you, when you use those products, you'll know, you know, your throat will hurt. Your, your product isn't good. It will burn black. So you will actually, as a consumer, you will know that okay. your product is not reflecting those methods. As, as, a, as a, like someone who, who really knows their product, they'll experience uh, the, the effect of it. Correct. It won't be what they ex- desired. It won't be the appropriate thing. And there's also a visual thing. I assume there's an aroma that. Yes, a smell. Um, it definitely has to have the smell. And, you know, as an experienced consumer, you, you'll definitely be able to identify those things. As a newer consumer, I think that, yeah. you know, um, a lot of things could be misleading, misguided. Uh, it's easy to take on edibles and, and not paying attention to those things. I mean, 
if they're concentrating poison into your your products, then that's going to reflect very negatively, whether it's taste or, you know, in the near future. So it all definitely reflects into the consumer, um, whether you're aware of it, uh, that might might fluctuate. <laughs> right. Um, well, that's a little, uh, well, I guess that's what happens with a complex product, but it's a little scary when you think about it. It really is. Particularly in certain markets where maybe they aren't as regulated. And everyone's, oh, regulation, and we've got too much regulation. At the same time, uh, for someone who isn't particularly skilled or particularly experienced, you could have a wildly different experience. It could be a wildly negative one, and you might not even know it. 100%. Right, yeah. Um, Are there certain producers out there brands that you think are doing a better job of of saying of, of producing better cannabis and making me aware of it uh i i definitely do think so um the the hard part is just like at the grocery store you know um there's organic and healthier products but the overbearingness is that's usually right. yeah, yes <laughs> that is that's true. a that's seven dollars for an avocado. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> the other that. one's two dollars. Yeah, I'll take the two dollar one. Exactly. So it's it's definitely that's a situation. And then, you know, there's a lot more products that are grown um that are more affordable and it's easier to cut corners and just trying to keep up again with the market and the fluctuation of pricing and you know, all the rules and regulations cause people and cultivators to do that. So it's a direct reflection of the the process and trends and, you know, especially in, in CBD and not to off track, but no, uh, no, CBD yeah. definitely is, isn't near as regulated. And that's one of the biggest issues is, you know, a lot of people are pumping out just a lot of product and it's not regulated and it's a hard market. So it forces a lot of people to do some things that you got to be, you know, you got to be very careful of who, whose product you're consuming. No matter what, right? So, well, I mean, the medicinal side is is a interesting one in that it's still not medical mm-hmm. in a strict sense because it's not a product. It's not, you know, it's not a pharmaceutical. It's right. and it's still take this CBD is going to make you feel better, but no one's been able to uh, convince the. Um, you know the government that they can rate that it should be passed as an actual medicine that's the fascinating thing and then what happens when that if that does um so what would you what what does a consumer do when faced with so many claims on the the medicinal side what what can they do to try to get better product like you said when everyone says it's fantastic it's the best Right. I think that it's very similar to, you know, checking what kind of food you're even consuming, looking into who's growing it, who works there. What do people say about this product? You know, when you go shop uh, at dispensaries, asking about the products to to the bud tenders and the med tenders and talking to them at, at more than one location, you know, because people can be biased. People can really be directing you to certain traffic. Um, Do you think on a, on a general level, that on the medicinal side, and make a sweeping generalization, please, <laughs> that the industry is actually doing a pretty good job trying to 
meet those higher standards? Or are they actually doing a pretty good job trying to make money? I think that it's, uh, I think currently people are just trying to make money, to be honest. I, a lot of people are really trying to just sustain themselves. You know, it's a competitive right, market. Right yeah. Now. Right. yeah. But I think that people that are um, really seeing the future and planning ahead are really thinking about the regenerative agriculture, uh, building, you know, collective uh, moves so that way you can be vertically integrated or play ball with the bigger players because what, what's happening is just really, really hard to compete. And it just makes, you know, it makes the the morals go away. <laughs> right, right. I mean, yes, you can have a lot of morals, but when you're going out of business, suddenly. <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah, why do we cut our costs? Right. right. And I don't know the answer to that. Um, that's where you need regulation, unfortunately. So it's right. that uh, bittersweet story of, of how, what's the perfect amount of regulation. Um, 100%. What, um, so do you think the market's going to be, you, you mentioned it's competitive and that's driving some of these negative behaviors. Um, yes. How is, is the, isn't the market going to become increasingly complex and flooded with products? Or do you see that trending in a different way? Are we I think some, some places are trying to regulate it more than others, like out here in South or out here in Florida. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit of, it's really hard to get in the industry out here. Um, and they're, they're regulating it. But I think that as the money continues to flow in, as we've seen in every single market so far, everybody sees those tax, tax dollars and continues to um, roll out more licenses or more flexibility. You know, in Denver, they said that there would never be delivery and now there's delivery and and things right. like that happening. And there's, and all the ancillary companies are jumping in more and more new investors that would never jump into the market. You know, this market is becoming more complex, but um, I think that as it levels out uh, across the nation that, and, and bigger players step in and the brands that have been doing good business uh, continues to succeed, that it will stabilize for sure. I'm going to ask a two-part question, building on what you just said. And we are talking to Krista Jones of, uh, of the High Country Girls, uh, hanging out in Miami, but um, roots in Denver, hence the name, yes. uh, talking all things cannabis and brands. Are we then headed for the age of the brand? And the second part question to that, so you can answer it all at once, is, is that going to be a solution to some of the negative elements that you started talking about earlier in the show about lack of equality and and uh, people taking advantage of uh say consumer and experience and so on yes i think brand is everything i think that you know um being able to know trust and and love the people that you're supporting is super important if you you know being able to relate to an uh, industry that's more familiar for people. Uh, I, I always think about, um, you know, construction workers and some of them don't even, they, they've never had any kind of marketing, but they have the best word of mouth and that's their brand. You know, they have a whole right. entire multi-million dollar business and never has put any marketing budget into to growing. And it's just word of mouth. And that, that's your reputation and your brand. And I think that's the most important overall. So, so brand does not, so bigger won't be better in your view. 
and that yeah. and that will eliminate this misleading aspect to the cannabis market the the fake sort of sativa versus indica differences or the hybrid differences it, you're, you're, you believe that's going to is that what's happening is that what's happening now is that what you're seeing yeah so oh. you know if you if the bigger players it's always it, they're always going to you know be able to jump some hurdles that the smaller guys can't but it, especially our our industry and the markets that support it you know we're really it's like a small community and those people that are doing good and have do that do good business and represent their brand well people go out of their way and whether it's to go out the extra mile to purchase at those locations or support that brand in places that they would have to, you know, go the extra mile or spend the extra dollar. I definitely see people doing that. Oh, that's interesting. So is that, is that a new behavior or has that been there from the start? Cause that's really interesting that you're seeing people really relate to some of the messaging that we'll call them the quality players are putting out there for lack of yeah. a better term because i don't know what else to call them because yeah. they're hard to tell the difference i mean it's hard to see who the difference you know what's behind the the curtain it is uh, sometimes but, but that's what you're saying if you add up the value statement and some environmental all that stuff plus the experience itself that's going to win out and, and you're seeing brand loyalty developing but I not just the bigger okay yeah Give not just the bigger players yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I find interesting. Like, okay, Jay-Z yeah. or whatever. Okay, someone big brand or, or something. But, uh, you know, a small player can put out a brand and they can't be dislodged because they've created that connection, true connection. So like you said, yeah. I will drive an extra half an hour, whatever. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely stand behind that. And I think that's the biggest way our industry has grown. You know, we have legacy people that have been in, in the industry for a very long time. And we utilize their word of mouth brand, right, that they've built over generations. And we're bringing those brands to life. And those are the, the true desires of the industry in our small niche, you know. So um, people that are really diehard industry workers people that have been growing up with this this uh passion for the space will definitely always go to those markets for those people that is a, such a fascinating point because if i hear someone talk about soccer moms one more time i'm gonna lose <laughs> yeah and i don't mind anyone having cannabis and enjoying it but i i don't know that they're really a market like why the obsession with with is it because they're new or they perceive to have all this money what what's behind that and do you see brands reacting to it yes i definitely i think that that's a sweet spot that you know is a newer you know now all the soccer moms are jumping in and it's fun and it's hype and it's cute you know and i think that as people adapt and try to pivot and figure out how they can compete in the market people are moving that way um but people that have you know, people, uh, those soccer moms aren't going and seeing, you know, the turf profile and, and really admiring the bud. Right. You know, they're, smoking, <laughs> they're smoking a pack of pre-rolls with their friends and, and uh, eating a couple of those edibles that are low key that no one's going to know they're consuming, you know, so right. it's just a totally different market. Is it a, 
Well, is it a market that's sincere and real? Is one market, because it sounds like based on everything, and I'm learning a lot as I've talked to you, <laughs> there's a huge legacy market there. Yes. Massive legacy market that's still quite vibrant, but they are my potential customers as well. And I could yeah. go after them, but it sounds like I have to go after them maybe in a more sincere way. And yes. there's also soccer moms, apparently, who love to get high all the time. <laughs> it's a medicinal thing. There, I mean, people are more open to it. I have trouble sleeping. I have pain. I have, you know, older, some older people. And that's a market too. Um, is the market going to split in that way? And how do you market to each, to each of them? The, you, and, and, and the third, to load question on top of question, do you see brands purposefully going after one as opposed to the other? Yes, I, I do see people chasing certain markets. I really think that those are two different, totally different, um, you know, uh, messages to the people in the legacy or people that uh, are experienced consumers. Really what, what the market desires is those legacy brands to come to life through the commercial markets. Eventually that's going to have to happen. And really we're calling to those legacy growers to pull their, their bandwidth, right? They have a market right. that's, that, that the market calls for. So um, being sensitive to the legacy of the industry is super important. And then when you, you know, switch hats and gears and craft a message to the, the moms, we're trying to gain their respect in a different way, right? We're trying to show them that this isn't a drug and that this is something that is medically, um, you know, helpful and, and it's fun if you want to use it for rec and, and smart ways and, and educate yourself and, and instead of taking X, Y, and Z, this is a better route. So it's it's really very complex for sure on, on maneuvering. And you got to dedicate yourself to which way you want to maneuver because it is hard to speak to both of those, you know, both of those markets at the same time. Right. And I'm fascinated to go full circle because we don't have a lot of time, a lot of time <laughs> left. But um, full circle, uh, someone, you, you know, you've got a group where, I don't know if they're vulnerable to certain messages, but certainly they're, they don't, the legacy market, the legacy consumer has an ability to discern where the vast majority of new people coming to the market now, and maybe young people as well, are going to just read what they read, which is THC levels, indica, sativa, and are going to follow that blind path. That so I, we go full circle, which is what's real and what's bullshit, right? It really. I is. don't know because <laughs> I'm I don't have the experience. I'm never going to. Yeah. You do. It, so I feel like vulnerable. I don't know what to. I feel a little nervous. <laughs> yeah. No. It's 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 good. I I think that um, having open eyes to to what brought us to where we are today and having that respect for the industry and awareness around, you know, the hype and the flashy and, you know, whatever um, quick little copyright somebody hits you, you know, your sensitive spot, as opposed to what really works, you know, and, and being able to go ahead and um, go back to those locations and find your medicine or find your products that you're desiring to have, you know, so it's a, it's a very, uh, you got to keep your eyes open. 
your nose open too. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It's, but what's funny, you know, like is cannabis, uh, you know, are it, can cannabis be a Gucci purse? Like, is it, can you, can you oh, charge yeah. a few premium just by using marketing techniques and people are going to buy it? Definitely. Or you say definitely. Interesting. A hundred percent. There's brands out there that are charging a premium and you know, you work hard and if you have a desired product, why, you know, why lower your markets or lower your price to, to meet market the needs, you know, um, if you've worked hard for that and you're putting in the, the sweat, blood and tears into that brand, then I think you deserve that reputation. Now, ripping people off and, and not meeting that quality and having high prices, I don't think that's fair either. At the same time, I don't know if they're ripping them off because if what I want to do is say I paid 25 bucks for this pre-roll because it's mm -hmm. the best and it's absolutely not. It's not any different than a $10 pre-roll, but mm -hmm. just like that Gucci purse for $15,000, it's probably a little better than the average purse. It might even be hand-stitched, but it ain't 15 grand. But right. the person buying that purse is probably very happy they bought it. Because they walk around and go, look at this purse. Look at yeah. what this says about me. So I don't know that they're being dishonest necessarily. I guess they're being dishonest if they say this is the best and they simply know it's just any old cannabis. It's just pot. It's just right. meat. But I don't know. What, what are you feeling of that? Is that really dishonest? I think that, no, I, I think that people know, <laughs> they know if their cannabis is good, um, okay. you know, uh, and what they're putting out to the market and, and people within the space that have been, that cultivate, you know, we have eyes and ears too. And when, and we, uh, That's interesting. and we also have needs to meet too, to, to run a business. So it becomes a very, uh, hard teeter-tottering situation. Um, but I think that there's definitely products that are like the Gucci style where it's like, how can you have a $500 joint? <laughs> or five right, exactly. <laughs> you almost want to try it once. Like, what the hell is that? Right, um, But right. that's an interesting point with reviews. Like, at some point, you ha it has to be real. And maybe yes. uh, as the market matures, it's, it's going to be harder and harder to pull it off. Yes. And, you know, as uh, how many people are buying the Louis the Thirteenth? You know, how many people are really sure. spending that kind of money to drink and and when they do, how often is it? You know, so it really mm. that's that's a really hard market to hit anyway. So those people that are that are playing that, you know, kudos to them. Right. Cannabis is luxury. Uh, uh, yeah. And from what I'm hearing, it's it's not so easy to to create that much. I mean, the best cannabis, how much better is it than what? is being produced, uh, produced maybe on the legacy market or what's being produced is by a very good grower. Yeah, and, and I think that that's really personal preference, obviously uh, within Interesting. Uh, a threshold, but um, people could put anywhere, you know, a few hundred dollars into cultivation that can go up all the way to a thousand plus depending on their strategies and method. And does that really make their product better? You know, I, I don't, I, there's so many, so much more that goes into, to what is a better product than just the price for sure, or how much you put into that. Well, I feel we've just barely uh, scratched the surface because every time you answer, <laughs> I have another question, but unfortunately we've reached that sad time where I must say, uh, thank you very much for sharing your expertise. 
Of course. Um, I don't know that we've really answered um, those hard questions. Maybe we just, uh, there's more questions, but that's the nature of cannabis. It's a complex uh, plant and you can't pretend it isn't. Um, right. And uh, so anyway, thank you very much. As always, I appreciate your time and, enjoy, and I enjoy talking to you a lot. I thank you so much, David. And we will be back with more of The Business of Cannabis. The Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. This is the business of cannabis. The business of cannabis is sponsored this week by Chima. North America's leading provider of cash management hardware and software. Shima has the perfect mix of cash recyclers and smart safes for the cannabis dispensary. Track, manage, and secure your cash. Reconcile with your POS. Automate the entire cash process for your bud tenders and managers. Get the best cash management platform there is. Check out Shima's website at shima-america.com. That's Shima spelled C-I-M-A. Wherever you count, it's Shima. And welcome back to the Business of Cannabis. I am joined by Matt Cook, as always, almost always, um, for his uh, sort of insights into what we've just heard. Um, this is a show I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I, uh, Krista uh, is one of my favorite guests. This is, we have her on many times. Krista Jones, High Country Girls. Uh, but uh, Because uh, one, she speaks her mind. And she has this tremendous knowledge base. And she's sort of one of the unique people that's sort of done almost everything you can do in cannabis, from getting the fingers dirty in the soil to, to selling, to marketing, to, to events, and the whole bit. Um, we have talked about this many times. And, I, and we could talk. And we're going to continue. Where you're going with this. <laughs> we're going to continue. So I'll let you talk about it. After what we've heard, about, about sativa and indica and, and THC limits being inaccurate and hybrid and and so what's what are we in the why are we or are we in the age of the cannabis brand? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, well, that's why I asked you the question. Yeah, so it's a I tough sit one. back and, and judge you. So far, right. you have enough. <laughs> well, that that's uh, that's expected. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I think it's still too early. And, and because especially, um, you know, you have so many new states coming online, you have mature markets like California, Colorado, um, there might be local brands that are winning. I don't think there's, you know, any, um, you know, major national brands at this point. Um, I think we're years away from that. Um, so, well, I mean, there's some, like, I mean, the obvious one would be cookies, I suppose. Right, right. Or but some. again, Bill, until until we get legalization across the country, um, you know, which could come sooner, you know, than we think, um, it's going to be difficult to really have a to say yes, this brand is dominant. Um, right now, we have you know twenty some odd uh, Coca Colas in their regional markets, um, 
And until it opens up, it's going to be difficult to know who's going to win. Now, branding on a local level, whether that's state, city-wise, I think, you know, there are some brands that are probably dominating in certain locations. Um, whether that is going to translate when things become legal across the country, I'm not sure. Not sure you're, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but not sure you are skirting the issue because I'm asking you, is it real? That's right. I'm not answering the question. Is it real or is it just marketing? I mean, it's one thing to market um, like a sugar water and this one is 7-Up and this one is Coca-Cola and this one is Pepsi. And I don't know, I guess there's difference in taste, but is there really much difference? And sure, or, you know, product differentiating, but is it just marketing or is it, no, are there, are there real powerful differences that the consumer will resonate with and care about? Well, and, and, and you hit the nail on the head right there. It really is what, what does the consumer care about? That will determine, you know, which brands win at the end of the day. And if, if you look at um, Malcolm Gladwell had a great, uh, Ted talk years ago about uh, spaghetti sauce. And he talked about that people don't want, you know, spaghetti sauce, they want spaghetti sauces, they want a choice of that's why in the grocery store today, you've got 500 different brands of spaghetti sauce, because, you know, one particular type that, you know, has mushrooms in it may only appeal to certain people, but those people want it. And, you know, it's, it's pretty much consistent almost among any consumer good is the more choices you give, there's going to be just like in music, just like in anything, there's going to be the Beyonce's sell millions of albums. And in, in cannabis, it's not going to be any different, just like beer, just like any other consumer good, you will have certain brands that will dominate, but the more choice you offer, um, you know, the potentially the more you could, you could sell on a grand scale, but there eventually there will be some major brands that went out. And I mean, the reason that Coca-Cola and, and Pepsi won is, you know, they spent a lot of money on marketing and positioning. That's an interesting point. Now that's, that puts it in perspective for me, which is the, the differences, the difference is part of the offering. Yeah. So the fact that differences are not necessarily that clear is irrelevant. Is is a, a tomato sauce with mushrooms all that different than a basil with an onion? I don't know. Maybe a little, but probably not that much. Um, but I want the choice because I, I don't know whether I'm a mushroom guy or an, an onion guy today. And the same way I want uh, 500 different brands of cannabis because I want to choose, even though I might choose the same one every time. Yeah, and, it's, but then there's a there's a macro thing at play. In other words, and we get this, we talk about this on the show. Cannabis is just a product. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I know that's an anathema to to aficionados, maybe someone like Krista, who say no, it's something more than that. It's it's special, uh, not only for its entourage effect, for its medicinal effect, for its spiritual effect, for uh, for the different types of feelings you can get. Um, and so I think that's sort of what she was suggesting for there is a market for that and they will pay for it. But that what I'm hearing your opinion is not to put words in your mouth. It's just a product and, it, and most of the market will align like any other product. A yeah. few big players, a few big gorillas and, and lots of opportunity for local 
probably more opportunity for local um, than say in beverage because it's not about distribution. You know, it's not about right. You know, economies of scale in quite the same way. You can do quite well. Coca Cola in California. Coca Cola is a distribution company. Right. Yeah. <laughs> really, at the end of the day. And when it comes to branding, I mean, really, perception is reality, right? And if you, if the consumer perceives one brand to be better than another, they will choose that brand. And that could come down to, you know, the, um, in cannabis, the THC component, indica, sativa, uh, the, the way that the, the packaging looks. Um, that's what ultimately will come down to. I mean, look at um, a lot of, and, and again, it's it's not quite the same, but um, you know, the advertising and marketing around any consumer good like uh, alcohol or or just continue to use our Coke example. Um, you know, they've basically done a very good job of of making the packaging and everything bright and pretty. I don't know that there's anything different between. Uh, you know, a $15 bottle of red wine that you buy from California, regardless of which one you buy, if it's $15 red wine. Right. It's, it's probably about the same. Quality. It's probably about the same, but people tend to gravitate towards the, the packaging or the label or the name, um, not so much the actual contents. Yeah, it's interesting. It might be a good enough thing. So if you're going big, you better be good enough. So yes. it, ha it has to tick whatever boxes need to be ticked, yep. a clean taste, um, a, to deliver a feeling that people are that want, not too strong, maybe not too weak, uh, consistent, but uh, that leaves wide open for a lot of craft players then too, who uh, economic, uh, environmentally conscious or right. uh, super local supporter or super strong, super smell, super tape, super entourage, like whatever you want to market, there's opportunity, which maybe there isn't in other businesses as readily. Launch, right. a, launch a brand of clothing now. Well, bring your visa card because it ain't happening right. so easily. Uh, even trying to do it locally is incredibly hard. Alcohol, yeah, try launching a beer even locally, like if you, unless you want to just lose your money. Yeah. It's it, hard. It's tough. I, actually, I think I, cannabis, you could do it. I, I actually, but at the same time, like I, I had lunch or dinner with the uh, CEO of a, a cannabis dispensary group in uh, Michigan the other night. And he was saying in um, just North of Detroit, there were four dispensaries, two of them killing it, two of them, like not doing well. Just dying. Yeah. I said, okay. so what's okay. the difference? And he said, you know, the two that are doing well really know their local customers. They know what they like and that's what they're selling. Hmm. Right. And the other two aren't. Um, so it doesn't really matter what the the brand is, is, is they're providing the experience that the customers are looking for. Yeah. So then, it I don't, you know, that's why I was saying, I don't think we're in the age of the brand. I think people want us to be. Yeah, I like don't think. Business people, of course, particularly the multi-state operators, of course they want this to be the age of the brand. Right. That's how you make, that's how you can create real value and wealth in, right. in a cannabis. But I'm, I'm far con from convinced we're there yet. And I think a lot of oh, the, the answers Krista gave us is, is why. Uh, the differences between different brands aren't real or haven't been established yet. And the consumer is not um, educated enough some are, obviously, some are, 
but oh. the vast majority of the newer, I guess that would be of, of, of if cannabis is going to be this industry people want it, expect it to be, that means they need a lot of new people or and obviously from the legacy market. So that's, yeah, I agree with you. There's, it maybe is too early. Your first comment, it's just too early to yep. say this is the age of the brand because it probably isn't. Yep. It's the age of the, of the relationship to the consumer. Right. That's who's going to win. Not now well. in 20 years, in yep. 20 years, it could, it'll maybe flip. Matt, as always, thank you for your insights. Thank you. Um, and thank you to Krista Jones, the High Country Girls, uh, for uh, taking the time to chat with us about this difficult topic. We're going to have to do this again. I'm going to do this every six months, and we'll just change our minds and just right. go, to say the opposite, because <laughs> that's probably what I'll be thinking then. Um, thanks to all our listeners, of course. Thank you to uh, Chima, our sponsor, and Cash Tech. Uh, Chima, wherever you count, it's Chima. And call Cash Tech for all your cash management needs. Uh, I'm David Skye. I'll be back next week uh, with uh, more stories from the cannabis front lines. And uh, we'll be talking, uh, chatting again, of course, with Matt Cook uh, and getting his insights into what was said. Until then, stay well. Uh, this is the business of cannabis. The of cannabis.